when I started YouTube and not very many people were, you know, social media influencers or people who made money promoting on social media brands, first of all, they didn't have as much knowledge. So they weren't necessarily willing yet to explore into this kind of new category of advertising as much. Um, versus now it's a proven thing. They understand how it works, but more than even that, what they're noticing the most is that these micro influencers, these people with, you know, just a few thousand or, or, you know, 10, 20, 50, a hundred thousand followers are oftentimes outperforming the ones with millions and millions. And I think that's because there's this level of authenticity and trust and kind of, you know, a more intimate relationship between the influencer and their audience sometimes when it's a little bit smaller to where brands are actually finding that very, very appealing. Welcome to the Viral by Design podcast with Dave Rothero, where we get inside the minds of today's leading viral marketers as they reveal the exact strategies they use to build brands, products, and campaigns that are magnetic to customers, spread like wildfire, and seize the attention of millions. This is Viral by Design. So welcome to another episode of Viral by Design. I'm very excited today to be joined by Adrian Finch. She has a combined social following of over 1.1 million people. Adrian provides online branding, consulting, and business coaching for both individuals and major companies, including people like Google, NBC, Neutrogena, AT&T, and many more. As a content creator, a coach, and host of the Self Made Mastery podcast, she aims to empower and transform individuals into the CEOs of their own lives, the businesses and the mindsets, and more. So Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. That was a fabulous intro. I am so cool. I sound amazing coming from what you just said about me. I'm doing well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. No, well deserved, 100%. So 1.1 million followers, that's pretty significant, right? So what was the journey like to mapping yeah. that kind of a crowd? Yeah, so you know, it started actually in college. I went to film school. I was always super interested in storytelling. So you know, at the beginning, all I wanted was just to be creating content for people because I was trying to get jobs at, you know, production companies and big studios here in Los Angeles. And I was sick of people telling me no, you know, not maybe I could work at the company, but I wanted to be the creative. I wanted to be making things, shooting things, writing things. And, you know, as an entry level person trying to join a studio like that, it just, it's not possible. And so, that's how I kind of started creating YouTube videos. That was my first sort of social media endeavor. Um, and at the time when I was creating them, I really wasn't even thinking of, oh, I really want to build this huge audience and, you know, be able to serve them and have that be an income stream. At the beginning, I just loved creating videos. I just loved sharing and storytelling and didn't want to be, you know, told that I couldn't do that. So, you know, I started making videos and what I found very quickly was that I do have this love and kind of knack for, for marketing and not just marketing, but for connecting with people, for like relating to people and for being able to bring people into whatever it is that you're offering using social media as a tool and as a marketing tool. And so kind of my combined love for both marketing and content creating um, kind of led me to really understand that this, this could be a viable kind of career option, at least right now in my life. Um, and that the more I could kind of gather an audience and connect to them and be able to share with them, the more that I'd be able to leverage future business endeavors or, or, you know, if I ever did want to write a TV show, I could have a little bit more leverage with that too and, and have a built-in audience, have a group of friends. And that's kind of where that all began. And of course, over the years, everything has evolved so much. The industry has changed so much. And that's what social media 
honestly is all about is just kind of adapting to the times and being able to adjust what you're doing and what you're offering um, as changes to the market come. So that's sort of the background there. It's been really fun. It's been an awesome journey. That's great. Yeah, that's a great, a great backstory. So where do you kind of start out? You mentioned YouTube. Is that your primary channel? Mm-hmm. Is that your, still your yeah. YouTube it was the first thing that I did and it definitely is still, it's still primary in the sense of it still actually gives me it, like the biggest revenue stream for me is still from my YouTube channels. Um, I could argue that, you know, I love to focus a little bit more on kind of some other sides of my business now, but it still is the major income driver. Um, and I do believe that, you know, out of all the platforms that exist, YouTube, in terms of having monetization on the platform itself, is still the best for that. Um, although I could tell you, you know, it's not all smiles and roses and happiness. There are some things that are just, uh, there are some up and downs with ups and downs with that. Um, but so YouTube definitely still like the kind of bread and butter. Um, but, you know, as you find most people doing, it comes in handy to have other, you know, to have Instagram, to have, you know, TikTok or any other platforms that kind of help you either bring audience members to that YouTube channel or to whatever your main thing is, or to actually, as we're noticing now, kind of have your own whole brand or business on those platforms as well. Cause now each platform kind of is, you know, unique and has certain things that work better than others. So I've just kind of been exploring with that and kind of figuring out like, what is my main thing and how do I want to use other platforms? And so, yeah, that's where that started. Yeah, TikTok has become huge. That's a whole nother conversation. Well, yeah, we keep talking about TikTok. I've had a few conversations about TikTok. And again, like it seems to be one of these platforms where nobody takes it seriously. Affairs like, ah, oh, that's just for kids. And then like, sure enough, like over time, oh, yeah. it starts getting adoption and suddenly people take it seriously. So is that something yeah. you're invested into? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so here's what's interesting about TikTok. Honestly, I was at a point in my career, this is like beginning of 2020, where, you know, everyone kept telling me, Adrian, you need to be on TikTok. Don't sleep on it. Kind of what you're saying, just, you know, it's for kids. But like, or that was kind of my reaction. I was like, I don't really want to, you know, I have a business. I do so many things. I don't necessarily have the bandwidth to just go be on every platform. And I will argue that I think a lot of times less is more. I think a lot of times people rush to jump on every platform, but also need to slow down and be intentional about it, right? Because we don't have the bandwidth to just jump on every platform. But if you can become the expert on one or two or three, and that's where your brand lives, I don't think it's always necessary to go jump on the next platform. However, I will say like, So TikTok for me happened slightly accidentally. It was like, everyone was kind of talking about it. I, like I said, I was like, no, no, no. I already have my things and I just can't take on anything else. And then um, COVID-19 happened and quarantine happened and we were stuck at home and I just found myself having so much more time. And it wasn't that I went into it actually being like, okay, this is good for my business. Now I have time. Let me do it. I actually just re-downloaded it for probably the third time and finally understood why people thought it was so entertaining. I was on it for hours. I kind of got past all the like thirst trappy teenagers to actually realize, oh, there's, there are a lot of different types of content on here. And so I started just, I actually posted videos just for fun. I was like, I'm just going to post things. I really didn't even think of it as part of my business or anything. I was just myself, my weird wacky self just started posting videos And one day, one of them just totally hit and like went viral. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, well, now I have no choice but to treat this as a legitimate part of my business. And I kind of leaned into that. And I, I do love, you know, I love exploring with 
platforms, like when something works, I'm like, okay, let's go, let's see what else can happen. Like, let's lean into this. Um, and that's kind of the business side of that is like seeing what works. So I kind of leaned into that. I made more videos like that. And then things just kept kind of skyrocketing from there. And it was insane how fast TikTok was able to grow. It's like, I had been on YouTube for five, almost six years. And I had just hit my 400,000 subscriber mark. And TikTok, I hit 400,000 followers on TikTok in one month. Like, you're kidding me. I was sitting there like, are you joking? I was laughing. I was like, come on. I worked so hard for my YouTube channel. And now this happened in one month. And all I did was like talk to myself in a mirror in the bathroom. Like, what the heck? So that's been really fun to just kind of explore and realize that it's such a new, fresh platform that really offers anyone to be able to kind of blow up which I think is really unique and cool. You guys can't see, but the sun is blaring in my face right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to lower my blind, but keep talking. Oh, you're all good. So I, I'm intrigued the kind of content that, um, that is straight. In fact, just to take a step back, obviously, you know, you mentioned YouTube, you mentioned other platforms as well. Is there a similarity that you found on each channel? Like one thing which stays consistent about getting engagement, about getting growth? So it's not that I see one thing that gets engagement. But, it, but what I do see is that when you stick to your one thing, whatever that one thing is, that will help put you in a position to get higher engagement. And the reason for that, I think, is that, you know, when I first started YouTube, which was like in 2014 or 2015, it was still the type of kind of platform and algorithm where someone wanted to see you. So they would subscribe to your channel and like, maybe they liked what you did, but maybe they just liked who you are, and what you talk about. And so any video that you post, people would get notified, you know, in their subscription box and click on it and be able to watch it or not, whatever they want and, and move on. Right. What ended up happening is as these platforms have grown and become more and more saturated, YouTube as a business and, and same with TikTok and all, you know, well, TikTok's not there yet, but we'll talk about that. All of these other platforms who have become um, so saturated with content, they need a way to better streamline content to viewers. So what they ended up doing is instead of just showing a subscriber, every video of every person they're subscribed to, because that becomes a lot, right? It becomes hundreds of videos. They start to, you know, have little mechanisms in place to gauge what those viewers habits are. What are they like? What kinds of videos are they watching? And so it's great for the consumer in certain ways because you have a lot more of a curated, you know, homepage of things that you're going to want to watch. But where that really sucked for people like me who did this as a full-time job was that we went from all of a sudden being able to count on our subscribers seeing our videos to, oh, you know, this subscriber isn't showing that they're watching videos about cooking or whatever. So we're not even going to show them your video when meanwhile, that person cared to see your videos. So long way to just answer that I think um, what is working the best now on platforms is not specifically like one genre of content, but it is when you brand yourself as, you know, this is my thing. This is what I do. My videos are about this topic for the most part. Um, that's what can really bring the most people in because as soon as a video does well, let's say you are the cooking channel, right? You're all about food. Once a video does well, it, YouTube or TikTok or you know, Facebook knows to put that video in front of more people who like food. But if you're all over the place, it's harder for, for the platform itself to boost your content. And that's what I've noticed really the most is just in the last few years, it's gone from kind of 
you can build a brand for yourself and any of your videos can, you know, be shown to your viewers and perform well to kind of, they want to put you a little bit more in a box of like, this is the type of content I post and that's sort of all. And it's, and it's easier to, you know, be shown to more people that way. So the engagement is therefore higher. And, you know, I think it creates a lot of, um, frustration with content creators because it pigeonholes them into kind of one little niche where if they ever want to branch out and and create different types of content, I think a lot are afraid to, uh, because they don't want their, you know, they, they don't want their engagement to go down. They don't want the platform to them then, you know, deem them as like, not that content category anymore and all of those things. So that's kind of what I've noticed about engagement. TikTok, I think by far the algorithm works the fastest and the best. Like if your video gets engagement right away, like it immediately will go on to, you know, thousands of for you pages. And that's why I think virality on TikTok is, is such a thing um, because so quickly that can just skyrocket. And all of a sudden your video has millions of views. There are so many users on TikTok. It's quick, absorbable, like fast videos. So that's sort of my take on that. So TikTok now is something which is becoming viable and profitable for your business then? How, how are you monetizing it? Yeah, TikTok is, um, I'm not, I am not focusing on TikTok as like a main source of revenue, but it definitely can be. So there's two ways you can monetize TikTok now. Number one being that they did roll out in, in later last year, I believe August, 2020, they rolled out a creator fund, which basically is TikTok's way of monetizing your videos and, and giving you a little bit of supplemental income for simply posting on the app. Now that amount of money is not very high. Um, I believe, you know, the, the cost per thousand views is very low. So it's like, I might make, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a month that had, you know, hundreds of thousands of views or even millions of views. So it's not that much money versus YouTube is a lot higher of a CPM. Um, but, but they're at least making that effort to, to rival with, you know, YouTube's type of monetization. Um, and then mostly though, and this goes for any platform really where the major money can be made is actually just outside, you know, third-party sponsorships. So brands wanting to put their product or services in front of your audience's eyeballs. And so I have done a few brand deals with TikTok, uh, or not with TikTok, but on TikTok, uh, for other brands. And, you know, it works the same way that a YouTube brand deal would, they reach out, they, you know, they want you to talk about their product or their thing. And if you like it and you agree, then you create a video for it. They pay you a flat rate and you post the video and that's that. So there is definitely a lot. I mean, with followers comes a lot of opportunity for income because you have this built-in audience. So the, the brand is just paying for advertising. And for them, it's very, I think influencer marketing is so appealing because it is so targeted, it's so specific, and they know exactly you know who's going to see it. They know exactly what the feedback is and what the real-time views and comments and likes and engagement is. And they can actually target that. And they can spend a lot less money than they would necessarily on traditional marketing like print or you know commercial advertising and you as a creator are you know profiting more because you are usually not this entire production team and and you know all these things so it's like you're getting paid to do what you normally do but just incorporate a product in so it's definitely become a revenue stream for me um, I'm not entirely focused on just TikTok being my revenue stream but there is a lot of opportunity there for sure so that whole influencer thing, where do you see that going? Because, you know, 
we've discussed this same theme, which has happened from platform to platform, but it, it kind of reaches a point and it kind of gets saturated like the platform itself. Yeah. And it seems like there's more and more and more and more influencers joining every single day. So how do you, how do you see that progressing? And is it realistic for somebody to start out and actually make something of this now or is it too late? No, 100%. I think it's realistic that someone could start now. Uh, it's crazy. But if you think about it, the more saturated the market becomes, the lower the threshold almost comes, like becomes, or the barrier of entry becomes. I say that in the way that like when I started YouTube and not very many people were, you know, social media influencers or people who made money promoting on social media brands, first of all, they didn't have as much knowledge. So they weren't necessarily willing yet to explore into this kind of new category of advertising as much. Um, versus now it's a proven thing. They understand how it works, but more than even that, what they're noticing the most is that these micro influencers, these people with, you know, just a few thousand or, or, you know, 10, 20, 50, a hundred thousand followers are oftentimes outperforming the ones with millions and millions. And I think that's because there's this level of authenticity and trust and kind of, you know, a more intimate relationship between the influencer and their audience sometimes when it's a little bit smaller to where brands are actually finding that very, very appealing. Um, my boyfriend, who is literally not a social media influencer whatsoever, he's a fitness instructor, um, a good one, but he he has a presence, you know, he posts online and he, he uses his Instagram as a marketing tool, but he's not by any means like trying to go grow into hundreds of thousands of people. He probably has like two or 3000 followers, but like brands, fitness companies, like reach out to him all the time because they know that his audience, the people that do follow him are like the people who he trains or the people who go to his gym, take his classes. Even though he's not this huge public figure, the people that do follow him and go to him for fitness advice and things like that are the people that would buy something that he tries to sell. So I actually think that what's interesting is there's actually so much more opportunity. However, I do agree with you that like, I can't see like five years in the future. Cause I'm like, hold on though. If everyone is literally online with any type of following, then like what happens to advertising at that point? Right? Like, does this just keep going? I don't know the answer to that, but I think it is opposite what a lot of people think. I think there is opportunity and it almost the barrier of entry becomes um, lower and lower. Like you can have less followers and still, you know, be working with companies. And, and it's all about just having a loyal, trusted, kind of following yeah yeah because i mean i guess it's that's what those brands are buying right the the trust and, and if it's a smaller group right mm -hmm. kind of sense, but it, it's, it's more of a unique thing as opposed to like yeah me following somebody who's got a million followers versus me following somebody right. three thousand, but it's really kind of close to them then that's super powerful right and super super mm -hmm. brands. yeah it's not always easy to relate to someone who is so not like you right like the kardashians like they could promote something. And I would be like, I am nowhere. I am no in no way like you. I can't relate to you. You are over here and I'm over here. And therefore what you're promoting, I don't really necessarily care about. But when there's someone just like me living in their house with their roommates and they're showing me their life and they're like, Hey, this product worked really well. Like, you know, I can connect more to that and I can resonate more with that. And I'm probably more likely to want to like try it because I feel like they're, they get me and they're talking to me. And I feel like when there's this kind of gap in being able to relate to someone that's, yeah, it doesn't work as well a lot of the time for advertising. Yeah. Like those bigger followings as well. People, like you mentioned, like the Kardashians, 
you know one actually is interesting because i i don't follow many people on instagram i, I don't like i try to keep ahead of my business rather than in, in social mm-hmm. media as best as possible but one person that always catches my eye is takeshi69 you know this guy wait what is it who is it takeshi69 he's so wow. he's, a rap, he's a rapper and he's got like multicolored hair like rainbow hair and he love that. like so he, he went to prison and he was um uh and he grassed up like a lot of rappers and there was a lot of, yeah there's lots of lots of um, controversy that went on around it but like the guys uh, like looking at his feed is like a car crash right and i'm sure that like so many millions of people are following him just to like just to see what yeah. he's next kind of thing so that's potentially yeah. a, like a trust relationship but potentially like mm-hmm. a volume play for brands because they just happen to get in front of so many people right that's the thing too when you have an intriguing lifestyle or story or something that keeps people interested in in what you're doing or saying or, or talking about that's another intriguing like that's another appealing thing for brands too is just that engagement people really care about what you're doing and you know what the next thing is so totally i totally yeah. get that 100 what's your content strategy like how do you do you wake up in the morning thing right i'm gonna do this piece this video like i've got this amount of time blocked out to do x y and z how does it yeah work? let me tell you it's gotten a little bit overwhelming just you know recently because i feel like it used to be like, okay, I just basically am a content creator. I make YouTube videos. I work with brands. That's kind of all I do. And, you know, that was awesome because I had enough time to do that. And, but it wasn't fully fulfilling for me. So I start adding all these other things. I have this other business and this podcast and I coach and I do all these things. So sometimes it is a little bit overwhelming to keep track of like all the platforms and the content I want to create. But basically my process is I, I use, um, I, I use this content calendar kind of template on a website called Airtable. It's basically like a glorified Excel spreadsheet. I'm obsessed. I use it for all of my content, like tracking and everything. And I pretty much just, it's not like I wake up in the morning and I just think, okay, what should I do today? Um, but I usually time block my week kind of in a way where what I've tried to do is dedicate certain days to certain platforms. For me, because I actually sort of have different brands on each platform, like my podcast is very business oriented and things like that. My TikTok is very much like stream of consciousness, like meet my personality, weird things, like fun facts. And then my YouTube channel is both kind of behind the scenes in my life, but also I actually talk a lot about like technology and and Apple products and organization and productivity. So in a weird way, you're probably like, okay, wow, you have like three different brands going on. Um, And trust me, I think that all the time. I'm like, is this too much? I don't know. But because those are all slightly different, I try to block out my week so that I have like, you know, on Tuesdays, I'm just going to try to like plan and bulk shoot like a bunch of TikToks because once your brain is in that zone of like thinking about that content and really like really diving in brainstorming, you're in that zone. Like, I don't want to break that. And all of a sudden start thinking about my YouTube videos that are completely different. So I've really tried to start this year, like time blocking and being like, okay, Tuesdays for TikTok, Wednesdays for uh, not Instagram for YouTube videos, Thursdays for my podcast. It is, I still do more than I recommend normal people doing. I don't, I would not maybe have all of these different platforms, but it's really helped me to do it that way and kind of say, okay, Wednesday, all I'm thinking about is my YouTube channel and I'm not thinking about any other content. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to brainstorm my videos. I'm going to plan my shot list and maybe I'll film one or two videos and then I'll start editing and maybe I'll finish editing on Friday or whatever. And, you know, Thursday, it's a podcast day. I'm thinking only about business. I'm thinking only about that audience. And, and that has really helped me. And I think just the content calendar has really helped me to track because obviously you're like, okay, I might be 
filming this one, but I'm also finishing editing that one. And I'm also like negotiating a rate with this brand for this one. And there's a lot happening at once. So it definitely um, will behoove you to have some sort of content calendar workflow sort of system. Um, and that's what's worked for me. Got it. That makes sense. So you, you mentioned briefly about your podcast and the coaching side of your business. What, what does that kind mm-hmm. of look like? Yeah. So a few years ago, I realized two things. One, I wasn't fully fulfilled, like just creating videos that were entertaining. I want to like really make a difference in the world. I want to really help people and really change people's lives. And so um, that combined with my realization that it is really important to diversify your revenue streams and to kind of diversify your platforms just because, you know, we don't own or operate or control YouTube, right? They could tomorrow decide, and we're done we're done. And like, that would be my entire livelihood, my whole following, all of my money, everything would just be gone. And so I think as an entrepreneur in general, and as someone on social media, it's really important to diversify and just make sure that you have different revenue streams coming in, that you have different places that different audience members are. So I basically decided to start the podcast because I was super intrigued by just the medium, just podcasting in general. I really started liking listening to podcasts. So I was really intrigued and wanted to start one, but I also wanted to start helping people who maybe are, you know, unhappy in their current jobs, or maybe they went more the traditional path and don't, you know, understand how many ways you can monetize your passions nowadays, instead of just kind of succumbing to that, you know, job that you hate or that tradition, just because, you know, you need the security and all of these things, basically that we've been taught our whole lives and conditioned to believe that like, you have to go this route and like, you need this security and that stability and I totally get why people are afraid to branch out, but I wanted to like show people that, Hey, like I didn't go the traditional path and look, it ended up working for me and I can help you with that too. And it doesn't necessarily mean just social media, but I just want to help empower people to get out of, you know, living a life that they don't love and get out of working a job that they don't love. And I want to help people to just really transform and to realize that anything is possible for them. And all it takes is the right mindset. So I do a lot of mindset coaching and guiding and just helping people really get into the right mindset where you feel equipped to handle anything that comes your way. Cause the thing is like shit is still going to happen. Like life is still going to happen. You're not, you know, it's not going to be like every single day is butterflies and roses and happiness all the time. No, that's not realistic. But what I want to help people do is kind of just develop this mindset where they understand that and they embrace that. And they actually like those challenges. They're able to problem solve. They're able to continue creating this life for themselves that they want to live and this success for themselves. And I'm actually giving kind of tangible ways too to like monetize your passions and to not just be, you know, a slave to some other boss or industry that you don't really want to be in. So that's kind of what I aim to do with self-made mastery is help guide people into just mastering their mindset, tapping into their greatest potential, also like finding their purpose, you know, maybe just realizing what it is they even want to do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not just you don't get there by just changing what you do. You get there by like changing who you are at your root, like who you are and what you believe you're capable of and what, you know, what, you, how you live every single day, that change in who you are is what will lead to you changing your behaviors and your actions and your lifestyle. But I think too many gurus out there, too many coaches and too many people keep how to do that a secret. Like they don't tell you how to do it. They just, you know, say a bunch of fluff and like, there are a lot of really great coaches and gurus, but I was like, no, I'm going to come in here. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. Like none of this fluff. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. So that's yeah. kind of how that was born. 
Um, and it's still evolving. I'm still, you know, honing in on what really is the niche. What is the one thing that I think I really could, you know, dive in on and become the expert on and teach versus right now I talk about a lot of different topics, mindset, productivity, business, you know, so I'm still, you know, it's still on my journey, but that's what that is. That's great. I mean, it's immensely powerful that, you know, because the concept of the the problems never go away. In fact, they just get harder and harder. And it's really mm-hmm. what changes your ability to, to, to cope with them and your ability to, to respond to them more calmly. Yeah. And having that mindset is, is just so powerful. So if, if people uh, wanted to find out more about that, so to subscribe to your podcast or to find out more about how your coaching works, where, where can they go? Totally. Yeah. So both my podcast, which is self-made mastery, like there are so many helpful episodes in there that just dive into a number of topics. I think I get, like I said, you know, some of them are very dense where I like, I teach a lot of things like in the episodes. Um, so the podcast is always a great resource, a great free resource too, for people. I also, um, the main place, like the kind of landing page where I really explain more about joining my community. And also if you want one-on-one help is actually on Patreon. So I actually have this membership community that I've created. And so it's just patreon.com slash self-made mastery. And basically on there, there's three different levels of access. Um, the lowest level is, and actually like my favorite, honestly, is just joining the community. We've created this community of like-minded kind of go-getter people that you know, want to be able to talk to each other about these types of things. Um, one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got on the podcast was that like people loved being able to learn these things and, and self-improvement and like, oh, they felt so empowered after, but they felt like they didn't really have anyone to go talk to about it. They didn't necessarily have friends or family who resonated with it or who were also like that, who also were super interested in self-improvement. And so I basically created um, the Patreon as a way to have access to each other. My audience can now help each other and talk to each other, but also I'm right there being able to get to know people better too. Cause that was something for me. I really just wanted to be able to know who my listeners were and be able to help them even more by getting to know them. So kind of what I offer in terms of coaching uh, there as well. So um, I have room for one-on-one coaching spots. I only do 10 a month because obviously like, you know, the bandwidth to do one-on-one is a little bit lower, but I, I host workshops on there. Um, I do Q and A's, I do happy hours. So we're always just like learning and helping each other get better. And that's, it's been amazing. I love it. That's awesome. That's great. So we'll make sure that all the links for anyone listening to uh, all those resources that Adrian just mentioned are, are on the website and, and around the podcast. Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been fascinating to hear your backstory. Thank you. And, uh, get all the wisdom from you. So yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Awesome. All right, speak to This has been the Viral by Design podcast with Dave Rothero. For more viral marketing secrets and to get detailed cliff notes on all episodes, visit viralbydesign.net.